This morning we, um, we wrap up a series of messages that we've been in for the month of January and now the first week of February to kind of kick off our year looking at uh, some practices of the faith that help us focus on what is at the core of our faith. Remember that when Jesus was asked one time what the most important commandment was, his response was, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in practicing those things, we live out genuine love. And so, uh, back a few weeks ago, we started with the practice of worship and how participating in worship together helps shape our hearts for the kind of life we are meant to live in response to God's love. And then we turn to growing as disciples and our attention to those intentional practices of prayer and reading scripture and spending time in small groups that help us connect and to learn more and to grow more. And then last week we looked at service and I invited you to, th- to think about seeing your whole life through the lens of service uh, as people who have been invited to offer who we are and to say, here I am, Lord. Um, And then today we look at the fourth practice, and it's the practice of generosity. Um, And so I'm going to read our theme scripture this morning that we've been following this whole time. We've read it each week during this series, Romans 12, verses 1 through 18. And as I read it this morning, I'm going to invite you to just listen for how all four of these practices show up along the way in the passage. Before I do, and before I share today's message, let me just say this. You may not hear a thing I say today. (laughs) Because your brain is somewhere else at this point after what we have shared earlier today. So it's a good time for me to remind you, perhaps, um, that every week we live stream this service. And so I'll say again to those of you who are joining us from other places. We're so glad that you are with us for this time of worship. And whether you're here in person or you're here online, if you miss what I have to say today, you can always go back and find it on Trinity's YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. Uh, We keep them housed there so that you can go back and catch things that you may have missed. Um, Let me read for us today's scripture from Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the giver in sincerity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. 
Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, and breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives this morning. Amen. In his autobiographical memoirs, Benjamin Franklin writes at one point about his encounters with the Reverend George Whitfield. Whitfield was a famous 18th century preacher who was a contemporary of Reverend John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. In fact, Wesley and Whitfield had quite a relationship, uh, one that would be a good model for people today who find themselves at odds and in disagreement about all sorts of things. They had a lot of theological conversations, debates, arguments with one another, um, but they remained good friends over the course of their lives and learned from each other. In fact, Wesley gives Whitfield credit for being the one who urged him ultimately out of the parish pulpit and into the field so that he could share the good news of Christ with those who in his day did not feel welcomed or wanted within the church. Uh, so Whitfield was, was quite a, a large figure in his day. And Franklin had the opportunity to interact with him when he came to America. And he tells this story about how one time Whitfield had this plan to build an orphanage. Uh, Whitfield, like Wesley, believed very strongly in the importance of both personal piety and social action, living one's faith out in the social sphere. And so he was talking with Franklin and others about um, his desire to build this orphanage, and Franklin said, wow, that sounds fantastic, and you should build it in Philadelphia. Well, Whitfield had other ideas and, and indicated that he didn't plan to build it in Philadelphia, at which point Franklin said, well, fine, but you're not going to get any contributions from me for it then. So shortly after recounting that interaction, Franklin goes on to share this episode from being at one of Whitfield's preaching events. I happened soon after to attend one of his sermons in the course of which I perceived he intended to finish with a collection, and I silently resolved he should get nothing from me. I had in my pocket a handful of copper money, three or four silver dollars, and five Spanish coins in gold. 
As he proceeded, I began to soften and concluded to give the coppers. Another stroke of his oratory made me ashamed of that and determined me to give the silver. And he finished so admirably that I emptied my pocket wholly into the collector's dish, gold and all. Quite a story from Franklin's memoirs. And I just want to say that, that my goal today is not that you leave here with your pockets emptied. Let me assure you of that. But what I do want to extend an invitation for this morning is for us to recognize generosity as a core spiritual discipline. We are all on a journey of sanctification, as Wesley referred to the life of discipleship and growth as people of faith. And one of the ways in which we move along that journey and grow is in the area of generosity. Michael Durrell has written a book entitled Creating Congregations of Generous People. And the very first chapter of that book is entitled, What Kind of People Do We Want to Become? Well, when we turn to Scripture, one of the things that is clear time and time again is that part of the journey of faith, part of the kind of people that we are called to become are people who are generous. And in fact, one of the ways we express our love, our genuine love, as we've been talking about these weeks, for both God and for neighbor, is through generosity. There are numerous places we can go in the scriptures to see examples of both ways of doing this. First, with neighbor, uh, we see how often scripture points us to the attention that we are intended to give to the needs of the poor and the oppressed and the downtrodden. Specifically, we often hear mention of the widows and the orphans and the immigrants and how we are called to care for them. And then we also hear examples from Scripture about the call to participate in meeting the needs of the community of faith. In the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, it is in reference to the temple or the sanctuary or the tabernacle. In the New Testament, as the early church is forming, it is in reference to contributing to the needs of the saints and of the church that is forming and serving its community. The Bible also points time and time again to a way of understanding giving that is focused on each person's capacity. Paul puts it this way in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8. He says, for if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. In thinking about generosity as a spiritual discipline, each of us is encouraged to think about it from the perspective of what we have, not what we don't have. We have different capacities to give. And I hope that in hearing that scripture this morning, you find a sense of freedom. Freedom from guilt or shame or any other ways you've been made to feel that were 
uncomfortable or unnecessary in thinking about the practice of generosity. But re- and, and instead of thinking about your generosity compared to anybody else's, really thinking in relation to how you see it as a way of bearing witness to your faith in God in your life. When we practice generosity from that perspective, we find blessing for ourselves and we become blessing for others. So there's this wonderful story in the book of Exodus that gives us a great example of how this can work amazingly in the context of a community. In the 25th through the 27th chapters of Exodus, Moses is on the mountain again and having a conversation with God, and God is providing instructions for the people. And in one section of that conversation, God lays out a plan for Moses to deliver to the people of Israel to build a tabernacle that will travel with them through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. It's very detailed. It takes three chapters to describe all the things about that tabernacle that they are meant to construct. And when Moses comes back down from the mountain, the first thing he reminds the people of or shares on behalf of God is how they are to put God first, loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, strength. And then almost immediately, as a sign of that love for God, he begins to lay out the instructions that he has heard for the tabernacle. And the instruction to the people to all make offerings based on what they have and are able to make so that the construction of the tabernacle will be possible. And so in that that instruction, we hear that some will be called to bring blue and purple and crimson yarn, others who have small animals will be called to bring goat's hair and leather from the animals. Others who have wood will be called to bring acacia wood that will be part of the construction. Others silver, gold in the form of earrings and pendants and brooches. And then lastly, the leaders, it says, would bring the onyx stones and the gems. Those who had the greatest capacity to give would bring the precious gems that would become centerpieces of the tabernacle. And we hear this in Exodus 35, 29. All the Israelite men and women whose hearts made them willing to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Well, then we get to the beginning of chapter 36. And Moses assigns some people who are part of the community who have construction skill to lead this effort to build the tabernacle. And they are called to build the team that will make it happen. And so they begin the work and the people are bringing their offerings day by day, day for the work. And in Exodus 36, in the third verse and continuing through the fifth verse, we hear this. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the skilled workers who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task being performed, and said to Moses, 
Listen to this. The people are bringing much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. Much more than enough. In fact, so much that a couple of verses later, Moses goes back to the people of Israel and says to them, Stop! Don't bring any more. We have more than we need to accomplish the work that God has asked us to do. You know, it really is amazing what can happen when everyone gives what they can. And here's something that I've learned to be true in my own life when it comes to the practice of generosity. Generosity leaks. And we, when we begin to learn to say yes to opening up our wallets, uh, to express love for God and love for neighbor through the giving of our financial resources, it ends up spilling over into other aspects of our lives. We more fully open up our hearts and we become generous in spirit in other ways. We learn to be more generous with our time and with our talents. We learn to be more generous in the practice of forgiveness with those who have harmed us or done us wrong. We learn to be more generous in saying yes to the needs of others as they come along. And that generosity just spills out in all sorts of ways in our willingness to offer ourselves for God's purposes to say, here I am, Lord, because as we practice generosity and we put our trust in God to meet our needs, we see God's faithfulness in action. So the last 10 days have been another experience in our journey. Catherine's and mine, of seeking to be faithful and entrusting in God's faithfulness, not only to us, but to this congregation and to the people who are a part of the United Methodist Church in Florida. Today marks the beginning of a transition, and it is not one that the two of us planned on. We planned on doing this co-pastor thing together until it was time for us to be put out to pasture. We love working together and have felt a sense of call. In fact, that's the language that we've used all along the way, a sense of calling to work together. And yet in these last few days, it has been an invitation for us to live into our vows of ordination and a sense of God being at work in ways that we couldn't see until we were prepared to surrender to those ways. And I would say that today is an opportunity for us to all see that. We have discerned in this moment that this is the next step, faithful step for the two of us. And my question for you all today 
is what is the next faithful step for you? What's the next faithful step for you in your own personal journey of faith? What's the next faithful step for you as a part of this community of faith? And how will God use our collective yeses, our collective willingness to say, here we are, Lord, send us to make a difference for this church, to make a difference for this community, to make a difference for the kingdom that God has in mind for earth as it is in heaven. May we all be willing to listen. May we all be willing to trust. And may we see God in our midst doing what God does so well. Thanks be to God.